chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and today we're going to cover verses 25 through 38. As we learn so many things um, from the lives of a couple of people today, we're going to look at Simeon, we're going to look at Anna. We'll learn from their life, we'll learn from their lips as a couple of sanctified senior citizens, so to speak. You know, Before we get there, you don't have to turn there. If you want to, you can. But over in Psalm 107, verse 23 and 24. Listen to what it says. It says, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. You can kind of visualize that. And I've probably shared this verse with you guys many times, and maybe you've heard it before, but you know, those who go like sailing, man, deep, deep into the ocean, they see things that we on the beach We'll never see, huh? Because we're on the shores. We're in the shallows. But if you get out there, man, into the middle of the ocean, you're going to see, you know, whales. You're going to see waves. You're going to see things that just totally uh, blow your mind. Things that you've never seen before. He says that you go down to the sea in ships. You do business on great waters. This is what it says. It says they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. And we see that literally, I think we also see that spiritually though, that if you really want to see the wonders of the Lord, you need to go deep. Huh? You need to go deep in your relationship with God. You know, sometimes we have, I think, even doubts. We're like, man, I don't really see anything. I, I don't really, you know, know about this Christianity stuff. And the reason is because you're, you're in the shallows, you know, you're still on the shore. You, you've never really ventured deep into this relationship with God. And I just want to encourage you today, and we're going to see it in the life of Simeon and Anna. They were two senior citizens who were sanctified. They had a very deep relationship with God. And as a result of that, they saw things that others did not see, that others wished they would have seen, but they didn't because they lacked the depth of their character. And so here in Luke chapter 2, notice what it says in verse 25. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. We're going to see eventually that Simeon gets to actually hold baby Jesus. Uh, we're going to see later that when Jesus is eight days old, they take him to the temple, they circumcise him, they give him his name. We read that earlier. But Simeon gets to see this little child. But before we get there, the Bible here describes a little bit about him. And it's not random that it shares the depth of his walk and commitment and character of Jesus Christ. You know, we have right here this guy named Simeon. His name means hearkening. And that word comes from a word that means he listened to the Lord. We see that he was just and devout. And that means that he was righteous, that he really did reverence God. He was pure. He was pious in a proper sense. He was totally, radically right on for the Lord. He loved God 
And a proof of that love, notice again, we read there in verse 25 that he was not only walking with God, but it says right there that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. See, Simeon loved the Lord. It says he was just and devout. And he was, you know, kind of walking right. And now he's waiting right. He, he knew that the Bible said that the Messiah would come. And so there he is, the Bible says, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Greek word for consolation, paraklesis, within its context, speaks of the Messiah. The rabbis would use this word to speak of the Messiah, the one who was called, the one who would come, the one that would come and in order to help Israel, prophesied and promised within the pages of Scripture. And so here's Simeon, he's walking right. Here's Simeon, he's waiting right. And, you know, when you're waiting for the Lord, like today, you know, we're waiting for the Lord you know, he said he was coming the first time and, you know, there was in Simeon's heart that eager expectation, that great anticipation. Man, I know God's coming and he was living in light of the Lord's coming. And, and we need to have the same heart. You know, God said he's coming. And it's so cool when you're walking. It's so cool when you're waiting. And when you're waiting, it doesn't mean your foot's tapping. You're like, oh, okay, God, what's up? You know, it's not like that. It's like when you're waiting on the Lord, it's like you just know, man, I know he can come today. You know, and you have that heart. You have that expectation, that anticipation. And, and that's Simeon. He describes the character, walking, waiting. Notice what it says there at the end of verse 25. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. You see, this guy right here, you know, obviously you'll notice that, you know, he was right on for the Lord. You know, we see this in the Gospel of Luke. He's subtle. And not only that, there's a great emphasis on the Holy Spirit. You know, we've already read of him four times, and we're only in chapter 2. Now we read again of the Holy Spirit upon this sold-out and surrendered man named Simeon who was very, very spiritual. And we will see in Simeon that he had the Spirit, and the Spirit had him. Because look what we read next. In verse 26... It says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see, we get a description of Simeon and we get the revelation to Simeon. Now, God had promised him personally by the Holy Spirit, it says right here, that he would not die until he saw the deliverer. By God's authoritative and personal promise, Simeon knew that Christ would come to the earth before he left the earth, that he would see him before he saw death. And that's not something you can read in the Bible, you know, but it's something that when you have an intimate and personal relationship with God, that he obviously communicated with Simeon. He said, Simeon, before you die, you will see the deliverer. You know, and you look at that and, you know, one might wonder, well, why? Why did Simeon receive such a personal promise? And we see at least a few reasons. Number one, as a proof to the people about Jesus. I'm sure Simeon told people, he said, you know what, before I die, Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. He didn't know his name necessarily, but he said, before I die, you know, the Christ is coming. Simeon said he would see the Messiah according to the promise God had given to him. And so he testified to that. And so the people should have taken this to heart. The personal prophecy would be proof. Secondly, in order to prophesy about Jesus. 
Because when he was there on that day, he would say things that are going to be embedded within the scriptures. And so that's why God said, okay, before you die, you're going to see. It will be proof to the people about Jesus. I, I, I said it ahead of time. And that on that day, Simeon, you will prophesy. You will say things that will be in the Bible. You will say things that man needs to hear, that Mary needs to hear. And then thirdly, I think the reason that God gave this promise to Simeon was that it was a reward for his righteousness. You know, God's son was about to arrive on planet Earth. Think about that. The king, the Christ was coming. And God wanted someone to see him. And God chose Simeon in order to bless Simeon because he was a listener. His name means listener. He would listen to the Lord. And therefore, he would be blessed by the Lord. You know, and that's why I was sharing with you guys earlier and by way of introduction that, you know, if you're not seeing, if you're not really hearing those wonders of God, it's not God's fault. It's because within our heart, there's a lack of depth in our commitment to Christ. You know, in Simeon, we see, and it's not random. Luke doesn't just say he was just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel that he was, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just say that as a, you know, a kind of a side note. He says it as a proof text to prove to us that if you want to see, then you've got to live and you've got to listen. I mean, do you want it? You know, and it's cool what God has done for us. But now, you know, how are we going to live? What will we do for him? You know, and here, it's, uh, to me, man, it's kind of like spurs me on. I don't know about you. Hopefully it doesn't make you like all convicted and mad and everything. Hopefully it just inspires you. It inspires you to live in light of this type of, you know, wow, man, Simeon, he, he lived and so he was able to see. William MacDonald said this, There is a mysterious communication of divine knowledge to those who walk in quiet fellowship with God. In other words, God reveals his secret purposes in history to holy, humble, loving, living, listening servants who practice his presence. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And Psalm 25.14 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And so what happens? We read next, in verse 27, it says, And so he came by the Spirit. Notice again, there's the Spirit. The Spirit tapped him on the shoulder one day. He said, Hey, Simeon, go to the temple. He came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, again, that is, you know, to circumcise him on the eighth day and to give him his name, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. It's so cool, man. You know, I think here Luke, he gives glory to the Holy Spirit in verse 27. He says, by the Spirit... He kind of led him as a personal guide on that day, directing him to the temple. And when he saw the child, baby Jesus, he's just eight days old, he knew that this was the one. And you wonder, well, how did he know? 
How did he know that this little baby, eight days old, was the one that he had waited for his whole life? Well, maybe he put two and two together. After all, we've already read of the events that have led up to here in Luke chapter 2, right? We've read, you know, about the supernatural birth of John and the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And then six months later, he, you know, probably heard the word from the grace vine about the shepherds over in Bethlehem. And they'd spread the message from the angels about the baby born in Bethlehem, you know, and things were stirring. And, you know, he kind of could have put two and two together, just like us today. I was talking to my son yesterday and I was telling him, hey, maybe you should become an apologist, you know. An apologist is an individual who gives reasons for the faith. And when you examine the evidence that's out there in the world, you can put two and two together and you can see beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, that Jesus is Lord. You know, the, pro- the prophecies in the Bible, 25%, there's no other book like that. You know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you examine the evidence, man, you, you become a Christian. You can put two and two together. That's one way. But there's another way. For me, it wasn't that way. For me, what happened is I gave my life to Christ and I met him. He changed me. He came in. It was a personal experience. And I think for probably most of us here, that's the way it was, huh? It's not like you searched out all the religions of the world and you put two and two together and you became a Christian. Usually it's not like that. Usually that doesn't happen until after you get saved. But when you give your life to Christ and you know you need Him, and then, you know, He comes in, I mean, there's no doubt. Maybe that's what happened with Simeon when he just saw Him right there and there. You know, God just revealed Him by personal experience. Maybe he just walked in on the baby and just knew it was true that this is the one, God's son. And so what does he do? He kidnaps him almost. No, <laughs> you know, he just goes up to him and he, you know, picks him up in his arms and he just praises God. And I don't know if he lifted him up like this or he just looking at him like this, but he just said, Lord, your prophecy has come to pass and now I can pass. I can pass on in peace now. Just like you said, before I would see death, I would see the Christ. And notice how he describes him, you guys. There's three things that stand out here. In verse 30 through 31, he calls him salvation for all people. Notice again there in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I mean, it's like he looks at this bundled baby and he says right here is salvation. In in verse 32, in the beginning, he calls him a light for the Gentiles. And in verse 32, the latter portion, he calls him the glory of Israel. The glory of your people, Israel. And as the glory of Israel, Jesus was the epitome of the Jews because way, way, way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that was what it was all about. You know that there God had prophesied that the coming descendant of Abraham would be the one to bless, it says, all the families of the earth. He was the epitome. He was the destiny of the Jews. All wrapped up in Jesus. He says there's a glory of Israel. He really is. We also see that he's a light for the Gentiles because prior to Christ, the Jews were under the impression that salvation was only for their nation. And they failed to reach out and about. And so the rest of the world despaired in the depths of darkness. But Christ came and, and he gave light to the Gentiles. And we see thirdly right here that he is salvation for all people. You know, and that's what's cool, you guys. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not a program. It's a person. That salvation is all about Jesus. And it's available, he says right there, notice again, for all people. It's available to all. 
And so you see what Simeon said. And, you know, for some, this may have been hard to believe that this itty-bitty baby was the savior of the world. You know, it's pretty radical. And so notice what we read next in verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. They marveled. They're like, man, I I, kind of knew he was the Christ, but I didn't know to the extent. I didn't know he would be the savior of the world. And you know, as again, as you look through the Gospel of Luke, you're going to see the word marveled many, many, many times. It speaks of wonder. It speaks of admiration. Here, Simeon had this prophecy because he had the responsibility to speak certain words that we would even read today. But he also had some words directed towards the parents and more specifically Mary. Because look what it says in verse 34. And then Simeon blessed them, that's the parents, and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He essentially says this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And he says to Mary, and a sword will pierce your soul. You see, the reason that God allowed Simeon to see is because it would be a proof to the people and there was a prophecy that he needed to speak. He speaks his prophecy to all mankind and then he kind of gets personal and he begins to speak now to Mary. You know, and in looking at this right here, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, as a result of Jesus coming, some will be saved and some will be lost. Some will accept, but most will reject. You know, Jesus said in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. You know, there are some people who believe and the emerging church is beginning to teach more along the lines of, you know, universalism, that eventually one day God will save everybody. But that's not true. Some will call, praise God, the rest will fall. And that's what he says right here. As a result of this child, there's going to be a dividing line. Now there's saints and ain'ts and that's it. There's no purgatory. There's nothing in between. Either you know the Lord or you don't. Jesus Christ has made it crystal clear. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Those who were arrogant, unrepentant, and unbelieving would fall and be punished. Those who humbled themselves and repented of their sins and received Christ would rise and be blessed. You see, that's the way it is, you guys. Some are saved, some are lost. Some accept, some reject. Some will call and some will fall. You know, and I guess for us today, you know, the most important question is which one are you? You know, hopefully everybody here truly, totally knows the Lord. You know, when you look at this right here, he says that, You know, Jesus would actually be a joy for some. For them as non-Christians, he's the judge. For us as Christians, he's the joy. 
He says right here he's going to be a sign. Notice again in the latter portion of verse 34, a sign which will be spoken against. You know, although he's our sign of salvation sent directly from the Father, Simon reveals to the mother of the Messiah right here that her son would not only be rejected, he would be opposed. God wanting to prepare her for the pain of the cross one day, and it would be kind of like someone thrusting her through with a sword. You know, and you know, we're going to see later that what Mary does is she takes all these things and she ponders them in her heart. And all these prophecies were necessary for on that day when she would see Christ, she would stay there and stick to the cross. You know, she had her doubts along the way, but in the end, maybe God used this prophecy to keep her up. You know, and as is usually the case, whenever God accomplishes his great purposes for his people, there's great pain that accompanies those accomplishments. He tells us these things ahead of time so that when we have those difficult days, we will not lose heart. You know, I'm telling you guys right here, and I'm not a prophet, okay? But you're going to have hard times, right? Remember what Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And what does that do? That helps you. You know, I remember Steve Kemp, he had a really cool song. He said, you know, when I first got saved, basically he said, everybody told me that things are going to be perfect now. Oh, you're a Christian, cool, you know. You're going to get everything you want. You're not going to have any hard times. It's going to be a piece of cake. And, and then, you know, he started walking and he started realizing, you know what, this isn't easy. As a matter of fact, this is getting very difficult. And he said he almost lost heart. He almost gave up until he realized that that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, Jesus tells us ahead of time that you're going to stand out like a sore thumb, that you're going to go against the flow, that it's not going to be easy. You're going to go against the grain of who you are, that Satan's going to come against you. You're going to have difficulties. But the reason he tells us ahead of time is so that when we get there, you guys, we don't lose heart. We realize, oh yeah, this is what God said would happen. You see, we learn here from the life, I believe, and the lips of Simeon and Esau. And then we learn from the life and lips of Anna. Because look what it says in verse 36. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. You guys, don't miss this, okay? You see what Luke is doing? He's saying, before I tell you the people who are participants in God's plan, I want to tell you about their character. And I want to just encourage you to make sure you don't miss out on that. That if you want to be in active participant in God's plan, that you got to have some crazy sold out character. I mean, we've already seen Simeon. He was just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. We see Simeon and now we see Anna. And Anna is amazing as well. You know, you look at her. Her name means grace. She's the daughter of Phanuel. His name means face of God. And we read that they were from the tribe of Asher, which means blessed or happy. 
And so Anna found the grace of God, was allowed to see the face of God. Hence her life and witness is chronicled in the Bible as a woman who was blessed by God big time. You know, and I don't know about you, but I want to see. I want to see what the Lord's going to do in the last days, in the last of the last days. And I know that if I want to see, I have to surrender. No more playing games with God. No more going halfway. I want to be like Simeon. I want to be like Anna. And they did this for a long time. It was over an extended period of time. You know, again, I don't think it's random and without reason that Luke mentions the godly lives and incredible character of all these participants because God really does bless the obedient. You know, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I'm not that obedient and my life is blessed. Well, yeah, to a certain extent. But it's kind of like you're content, you know, with hot dogs. And God wants to give you filet mignon. <laughs> you're content with Cheerios. And you're like, I like Cheerios. Yeah, that's fine, whatever. But God wants to give you huevos rancheros. You know, God wants to, to just blow your mind. But we have to really fall in love. We have to take this seriously, you know, every day. I found that in my life. What God has been doing has been stirring me up. And I, I just, I'm not content with any form of compromise anymore. I'm not. You know, and when we have that heart, it's cool how God blesses. You know, this lady, Anna, she was rare for a number of reasons. Not only did her husband die early on in their marriage, it says that they were married for, for seven years, um, she never remarried. And more than likely, when you look at the Greek language, she was a widow for 84 years. And so you look at that and it's kind of interesting. You know, most women in that situation would be bitter and not better. But Anna was different than most women. As a matter of fact, if you want to later, you can read 1 Timothy 5, 11 through 13. And it tells us that most women in that situation would not do well. Most women, according to the Bible, are idle. They would wander around. They would become busybodies going from house to house, from phone to phone, gossiping and saying things that they ought not say. But see, Anna didn't do that. Anna was different than most women who, who gossip and are busybodies and go around, especially sometimes in the situation that she was in. No, she didn't go from house to house. As a matter of fact, we read right here that she pretty much didn't depart from the temple. And it says right there in verse 37, who did not depart from the temple. And so my son asked me, Dad, does that mean she lived there? No, she didn't literally live there. But it's almost like if she was awake, she was there. It's almost like if the doors were open, she was there. Why would she go there? She would go there to pray. She would go there to prophesy. It's really interesting when you look at this woman, Anna. You know, it's kind of like the early church. You read in Luke 25, 43, they were continually in the temple praising God. You know, and I'm not saying you guys got to be here all the time, but really check your heart. You know, to, to be in fellowship, to be here. Anna was always there at the temple. She didn't go to the phone with the latest tasty trifles. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? No, she went to the throne with fastings and prayers, the Bible says, night and day. See, and Simeon is an inspiration to me, and I hope he is to you. And Anna is an inspiration to me, and I hope she is to you. To be in the temple, to be spirit-led, to be praying, to be fasting, it's not just for you know, the super saints, it's for anyone here who wants to see God work. 
we see there in verse 36, it says that she's identified as a prophetess. Anna, a prophetess. Which meant that she had a special gift of declaring and interpreting God's messages. There's about five other ladies in the Bible that are mentioned as prophetesses. And as a prophet, this meant that she would more than likely be a woman who would either teach God's word to other women and children or would tell from time to time words of wisdom and knowledge as God would give her utterance. It was a special gift that God had given to her. They all knew who she was. And so it was significant that on that day she would testify. And we close with this right here. It says in verse 38, And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. Do you guys notice the contrast between the two? We see similarities. They were both very old. That's one thing we see. Um, they both saw Jesus. They both prophesied. Um, one was kind of led by the Spirit on that day into the temple. The other was always there in the temple. You know, one had an appointment. God said, before you die, you're going to see the deliverer. The other just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Coming in that instant, it's like maybe she heard Simeon testify. And there, you know, just kind of coming in that instant, she saw the Lord. And as a result of that, it says that she had an attitude of gratitude. Lord, thank you. And she spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now, when you look at that right there, a couple of questions. How about you? Are you speaking of him? Are you looking for those who are looking for him? Maybe you're here today and you're like, I can't because I'm too old. Any of you think that? Any of you think you're too old? You wouldn't dare raise your hand now, huh? <laughs> are you too old? No way. Anna may have been 105 years old, you guys. Anybody here over 105? <laughs> Well, you can't, I can't do it because I'm, I'm a girl. Anna was a girl too, right? I'm a woman. She was used by God in a mighty way. Oh, you don't know what I've been through, Manny. You know, I've gone through this and this hasn't happened and this has happened. Well, look at Anna. She went through a lot as well. Undoubtedly, decades of mourning and loneliness and yet finding her peace and her purpose in a personal relationship with God that is just so awesome. You know, and God lifts these lives to us. And sometimes he speaks to us through the lives of people. And he says, you know, look at Simeon. What an example for us. Look at Anna. What a blessing she was. And I don't want to just tell you that to give you information. I want to speak this to you for transformation. That you and I would go deeper. As we go deeper in our walk with the Lord Remember what we read earlier, Psalm 107, 23, and 24? They will be the disciples who will see the wonders of the Lord. I mean, there's probably some of you here today, and I hope I'm wrong, but there's probably some of you here today, you're going to go through the whole Christmas season without seeing Jesus. And you'll buy gifts and you'll wrap them up and you might bake cookies and you might put up lights and you might do a whole bunch of stuff and you might go to a Christmas play even or go to church or whatever. You might do all that kind of stuff, but you might not really see Christ. Why? It's because it's not a matter of, you know, the, the, the superficial. 
It's not a matter of going through the emotions. It's a matter of where our heart's at, you guys. Where our life is at. You know, we look at this right here, and man, to me, the thing is so incredible. You know, Simeon said, I've seen him. Now I can die. And I think that's really the way it is in life, man. If you haven't seen Christ, you can't die yet. Because you'll be in big trouble. But if we see him, not only initially when we get saved, but continually as the the saved, I think we'll be able to say, you know what, I can die now. I can die now. Why? Because of your relationship with Christ. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be here today. And to be uh, spurred on, Lord, by these uh, senior citizens who saw Jesus. Lord, I thank you for their examples, uh, Simeon and Anna, Lord God. And I do pray that just your word, nothing emotional, nothing of me, but Lord, your word speaking for itself would change our life. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, who's not saved, who's looking for redemption, that today, Lord God, as you draw us to you, that they would find you. Lord, I pray that we would turn from our sins and today totally and completely trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. And with every eye closed, every head bowed, while we're here, you guys, before we leave, just in case, you know, I don't know. I know we're the early service, so you guys are like the dedicated disciples and everything, you know. But just in case you're here today and you just want prayer, uh, maybe you're going through something or, or just, you know, you want to draw like really, really close. Something, you know, would li- lead you maybe to stand to your feet so we can pray for you. Um, why don't you go ahead and stand right where you're at. Uh, if you want to receive the Lord or just something's going on. And we just want to pray that extra prayer uh, for you guys today. Lord, I thank you so much for those who are standing, Lord, today. And you know where they're at. You know, Lord, um, those that maybe...